float in the middle, just I float in the middle with everything. That's just kind of where I live. Um, and it wasn't until like I cut all my hair off where I started to really have to grapple with that because I understood that people were going to probably perceive me as more masculine than I perceive myself. And I wasn't willing to dress more feminine in my mind to like balance that out. Um, so I just had to be prepared to be misgendered. What's up everybody and welcome to the Queerly Black Show. I'm your host, Ashley, and I'm so happy you came by. The Queerly Black Show aims to normalize the everyday existence of Black, LGBTQIA plus individuals through an interview-style series with regular folks like you and me. So every week, a new guest shares their story and unique perspective on their existence as an LGBTQIA plus individual. Thank you for tuning in, and make sure you subscribe, download, set your reminders to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of Queerly Black Show. I'm your host, Ashley. I'm joined today by a very special guest. We got Alexis Hunley in the building. Alexis, tell the people about yourself. Ashley, thanks for having me, first and foremost. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, My name is Alexis Hunley. I'm a Los Angeles-based artist, photographer, archivist, secret director. Um, uh, My art journey has has been a little all over the place. I did not go to art school, I didn't go to film school. I went to school for psych. I thought I was gonna be a clinician. Um, People is my primary passion, um, including myself, understanding myself better through my relationships with other people. And so through school and other work experiences, I sort of meandered my way back to art, which was my secret passion all along. Um, And it it has been a very interesting journey ultimately sort of coming back to myself through through these different mediums through these discoveries that I've had along the way awesome awesome we definitely gonna get into your artwork we're gonna talk about your path to photography and all of the creative things that you do but here at the Quirly Black Show we got to go back to the beginning when did you know that you like the ladies Mm. you know it's always I've been asked that question many times over the years and it's hard for me to sort of like have a definitive moment because my experience with attraction is so much rooted in like platonic forms of intimacy and affection that it was never super clear to me um, until I started to pick up that like I was getting this romantic attraction from women consistently. I was like, I'm the common denominator. Let's investigate this because, you know, my mindset hasn't necessarily shifted, but because I'm getting this energy from, from other people, you know, I'm now more open to receiving that and to being in that space. So being able to think back now with the information that I have, um, definitely college, definitely college. And it took a lot of freedom and exploration without having to like assign labels. I was very, very lucky within my friend group to have the space to sort of like stretch and explore without having to define myself or what was happening. And that sort of like set the groundwork for me to, you know, sink deeper into like who I actually am. Nice. Where'd you go to school? I went to Loyola Marymount. Nice. So how for in exploring college being a place where a lot of people kind of put the tentacles out and try to just get your your all forms of who you are right um what 
did your friend group look like? Were you around, was it a queer group or was it, were you um, around straight friends? You know, it's funny. I can look back now and recognize that like everybody's sort of on that spectrum. <laughs> yes, I agree. In the middle. Yeah. Um, you know, at that time, I don't think anybody except like two people were identifying as queer, but now based on where people are landing and their understanding and the vocabulary that we have now, they're very much not straight. Yeah. And so it was a very pivotal experience. It was a very important friend group to have, to not have to explain any of ourselves, but to just have the space to do whatever felt right in that moment. And it set, it set the trajectory for all of us to kind of follow our different paths, but have this sort of common understanding um, of this sort of gradient through sexuality, through attraction, how things can shift and grow over time and holding space for all of us to sort of exist in our queerness as we see fit. Yeah, no, I, I agree with the spectrum. And I think I would like to know more from you about from that, for the spectrum perspective, right? There's there's all these binaries, right? So on the one on the one side you have a female, on one side you have male, one side you have feminine, one side you have masculine. And then there's everything in between from sexuality, whether you're straight, whether you're gay, whether you're this, whether you're that. And as you're forming yourself and how you express yourself and all of that, that shows up differently. So like even with like fashion, right? What were some of those um moments for you where it went from like maybe you know, you're wearing the dresses and, you know, Easter Sunday, you're getting dressed up and you got your dress on and you got your socks and, you know, the, the ruffle socks with the, you know what I mean? The black shoes with the, you know, the little, the, the patent leather shoes with the strap um, to something more that you felt more comfortable in, whether it was, maybe it was still a dress or maybe it was, um, you know, something in between. Like me, I'm not a, I haven't worn a dress in, I don't, God knows how long, but when it comes to like formal dress, like I would, I prefer to wear like a vest in slacks or like, a, you know, not a full like jacket, you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like, you know, a nice little floral type shirt with a vest and like some pants. What was that journey for you? We're still on that journey. That still, <laughs> still causes me a lot of angst to this day. I was just talking with a friend about that the other day, like, you know, having to perform femininity when I was younger was, was very stressful. It was very stressful and not so much like, you know, think like elementary school. Like I just wore whatever my parents told me to wear. It wasn't an issue. It was more so like middle school and high school um, and understanding like how I'm being perceived and like attraction in general, growing up in predominantly white areas. I understood very young that like I was not an object of desire for other people. And I also didn't, feel the propensity to perform femininity for people who I was also not an object of desire of. And so the discomfort of like feeling like I needed to adhere to like social expectations of like, you need to wear a dress, you need to wear a skirt, you need to do these things for these type of events because they're formal or because that's what is expected. I would do it. And I just, I was always like, Oh, like I just, it never felt right up until even up until like, you know, freshman year of college, like going out, doing, trying to fit within the group. I was just like, oh, darn it. Like maybe I can drink enough so that I don't have to think about this. Um, and eventually as time shifted, like my style just continued to float in the middle. Just I float in the middle. 
with everything. That's just kind of where I live. Um, and it wasn't until like I cut all my hair off where I started to really have to grapple with that because I understood that people were going to probably perceive me as more masculine than I perceive myself. And I wasn't willing to dress more feminine in my mind to like balance that out. Mm -hmm. um, so I just had to be prepared to be misgendered, to have people assume that like I was super mask or that I was a stud and all these other things that come with that. Um, and just wear whatever I wanted to wear, particularly because I like cut my hair in a pandemic. So I had some time <laughs> to figure it out. Um, but kind of stepping back out into the world amongst that, you know, I just kind of have to give myself a pep talk and be like, I, I don't, I don't have the time to care. I don't have the money to care. I don't have the energy to care, but it will come back up like weddings. Like I was talking with a friend, literally like two yeah. days ago when I was like, weddings funerals um like if somebody was like you need to go to this award show instantly like all of the anxiety rises and I'm like there's wiggle room I feel like out here in LA in terms of like style and expression with more formal events but there are some situations where I'm like I have to figure out how to not avoid them because I have to figure out how do I dress myself in a way that's still authentic to me but doesn't draw too much attention but like I don't know. It's I'm I'm still very much figuring it out. Yeah, I not totally I totally identify with that. I'm very much she her, but I do present masculine and I remember specifically about the dressing. I had went to uh I went to Zulu Ball. This was 20, 2020 actually, right before cuz you know, that's all in like February, right before the pandemic. I think if you, I, we had this theory that like, if we didn't get COVID during that, because of Mardi Gras, like all those people, then we weren't going to get it. We did get it two years later, but me and my wife, um, but we went to Zulu ball and Zulu ball is a very formal, like men wear this women wear that. And so I wore a suit, but the suit, it, you had to wear like a black suit. If you were like a man, they had to wear a black tuxedo. Like it was very specific. Women had to wear a full length gown. Like they were turning women away that had like if it was above their their ankle, like they were turning them away. And I had on a suit, but my suit was like white with like floral, like print on it. And I'm thinking, well, I have a suit on, right? Like I'm like in that floating in the middle, I got a full suit, but I'm a woman. So like, I'm fully covered, like, you know, let's see how it goes. And they were like, no. And I was like, ah. like, you know, cause I just, to your point, like the, the, like, don't want to like I'm not a man like I'm not but I got the full gown is like I, I, I just I ain't got it um yeah it's it, it is a lot um I want to kind of apply your theory of like understanding what feels uncomfortable to you right so you talked about earlier in our conversation um we've you know we just talked about kind of dressing and kind of fashion in those situations where it's uncomfortable and you having an awareness of that earlier you talked about career choices and you were going to go, um, you know, down the psychology route and do something different. And you were like, yeah, no, what is that process? Or like, what are those triggers for you that you're like, yeah, this feels really uncomfortable. And then even when people may have a certain expectation of you being comfortable going forward and saying, yeah, I don't want to do this. And ultimately going from that path to now being a photographer and a creative in all these other ways, what was that journey for you? 
you know, that's a wonderful through line that you just pulled through because it is, it, it, it does seem to be like a central tenet of, of my life from, from the beginning thinking about, you know, not just like my interpersonal life, my intrapersonal life, you know, how I relate to myself, attire, attraction, sexuality, but, you know, my journey through the art world, um, started off in psych and I tried every job imaginable. I did sales. I was, I was an assistant. I was a teacher. I was a nanny for years. Like I, I dibbled and dabbled in things that like I could do well, but I wasn't passionate about. Um, but I always loved being around artists. I always came back to that. Those are always the people who are around me. Those are always the people that I really respected and admired. And so I was able to fill some of those sort of like support roles, the organizational roles to kind of like prop them up and allow me to be adjacent to art. And so after several years of sort of like shifting through these different roles and like getting closer and closer, um, I met this man and he was starting a company and I had started a company with my sister years prior and like went through the whole process of like developing an app, starting a business, doing all the legal and organizational stuff. And she was in charge of the art stuff, but like going through that process, like really, really lit a fire under me. And so I was excited about the prospect of his idea and his business. I felt like there was something there. And there was, there was this key moment where <laughs> and it had nothing to do with his business. It was my cousin's 21st birthday. And he had made all these promises about this photographer was going to come to take pictures of her because she's, she's beautiful. She's stunning. And I already knew what he was doing, but I was like, I'll be there. <laughs> Fine. And the photographer didn't show up. So he picked up a camera and he just took the pictures. And I remember watching him and thinking like, wow, if you just have the audacity, you can just do whatever you want. And that was, that was it. That's all I needed to see was like, oh, you can just decide that you just do something or you just are something now. And so, you know, following that moment, you know, within a few months, um, I started going back through like old work of mine because my grandmother had passed um, in the year prior and she was the photographer of the family. She was like the secret artist of the family like we knew we have all our family photos um but we didn't understand until more recently the depth of her work and like the how extensive like her archive is um but knowing that and knowing that I had always sort of had cameras around I started going back through like old work of mine and I got some encouragement from some friends and some family members and a friend at the time bought me like a little prime lens for the camera I had and so I was like well I just have to commit now because I'm not going to, I'm, I'm not going to do it halfway. If I'm going to do it. Then I'm going to do it completely. So I went on YouTube and went to the library and made myself a curriculum and just like shut everybody out for like a year and a half. Mm -hmm. Um, and just, just did it. I found like a group, like a meetup group. And from there I learned about portfolio reviews and then I went to some portfolio reviews and I met some folks who gave me really, really great feedback and encouragement. And some of them have become mentors that I'm still in touch with, you know, four or five years later. Um, and just along the way, I got encouragement at the right points and in the right ways from people that I respected. And that was enough for me to keep going, even though I was not making money, you know, I'm still working, you know, 
um, another job or two other jobs. I'm still dealing with my own self-doubt. And then, you know, my mom and I have talked about this a lot. She would send me job applications. Um, and I had to have a conversation with her. Gotta love those friends, man. I'm telling you, got to love them. You know, appreciate you, but (laughs) to me that you don't think that I can do this. And so I need you to stop because I've decided to do this and I know what I can do. Like, you know, I have the business structure already from the previous thing that I did. You know, I'm nurturing this artistic creative side of myself. And like, I have set a plan and like, I know that it's going to be fine. I don't know how it's going to be fine, but I know it's gonna be fine. So I need you to stop you know, projecting your fears onto me. Um, and eventually like you're not a doctor, a lawyer, an accountant. I don't know what this photography she didn't, is. She couldn't like <laughs> how I was taking care of myself. And it came from a place of, of, you know, I want you to be okay and I don't understand. And so I'm scared. And so luckily she listened and she stopped. Um, and, you know, I had to support my sister and like my dad, it's never that she didn't support me. It's that she just didn't get it. And she was scared for me and I understood. And so eventually things started to shift and, you know, we hit 2020 and things were up and then they crashed because we all went in the house and I didn't know <laughs> what I was going to do. Um, but I sort of pivoted to more documentary work because that psych side started to kick in and, you know, analyzing the world around me and people. So I was documenting my neighborhood and my family and my friends in the midst of the beginning of lockdown. So by the time we hit the protest, I was already started in the headspace and then everything just sort of continued from there. And she got to see the, the full transformation circle. Like she, I don't think she's completely understands how I feed myself, um, how I pay my bills, but she knows that I'm okay. And so now she's able to express. You so, know. Well, she didn't call me this month and ask me for grocery money. So I think she's I never doing okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. I think she's doing all right down yeah, there. <laughs> you know, here we are almost four or five years out. And like, she, she's, she understands more now. She, she has more faith, um, you know, and I needed she wanted to make sure you didn't have like a sugar daddy or sugar mama. She's like, I just can't have my baby. Honestly, just- I don't think she would. <laughs> I don't think she would care. She's like, the bills are being paid. Right. You're, You're safe. Good. You're in your home. Like, I don't think that would bother her, to be honest. You know, I'm happy in what I'm doing. You know, I have the ability to support myself. I think that's really all she needed to know. Now that she knows that, she's able to kind of sink into experiencing you know what I'm producing and making particularly the stuff around my grandmother yeah and that's always it's always great when they come around finally you're like okay we can skip past some of these conversations thank you um okay and now you're featured in the Waco theater exhibit um what does it mean to you to have this particular space held for um black and queer artists uh, very specifically um for there to be such a space that appreciates what you do in this way it sometimes it's it's indescribable because there's so many other times i've been invited into spaces and i understand that i have to sort of like shape and mold what i'm presenting and how i'm presenting to navigate the space with more ease and so having a space like this allows me to sort of just 
be fully myself and whatever I'm bringing. And so this is the only space where I really felt comfortable showing work where like, I didn't need to think about like commerciality and, you know, feasibility for sales and a wider audience. Like I, I knew that it was really tailored to groups of people who would be more intimately connected to me and more spiritually connected to me so that I could show work that is very deeply personal and intimate. Yeah. And uh, talk a little bit just about kind of the exhibit and what kind of work you have in there. Yeah. So this was really, really special for me because I presented pieces of my work alongside my grandmother's work. Um, Her work has never been shown before. Um, And so going through her archive um, in like the month or two prior to the show, I found these boxes of uh, projector slides. Um, And projectors. Wow. Yeah. I'm looking at their, their, my whole kitchen is a archival storage space now. Um, but going through those boxes, there were so many beautiful images and just based on where they were stored, like in the garage and in boxes, like, I know nobody has touched these in decades mm-hmm. and going through them. I started to like pick out ones that I really, really liked. And I noticed that there were through lines to images of mine that like I liked or that other people had received really well. And so I kept going and I was sitting on the floor and like matching them together. And I was like, this is it. Like the fact that her work from the seventies and eighties and like that has been sitting in boxes since probably before I was born has so many like similarities with my work that I just now have produced in the last few years work that I produced well after she passed work that she never saw in person like it reaffirmed for me that like one that I am still on the right path and two that like she has set up a roadmap for me to follow and that as I can continue to do that like more things are going to fall into place um but lastly that like this was the right decision for me to stay connected to her. That's why I started shooting was because I was grieving and I needed a way to reconnect with her. Um, and I did it. I just, I didn't know that it was going to be to this extent. Yeah. And I'm sure that you feel extremely honored to be able to display her work in that way and share it. Something so intimate with people. Cause you know, our work is very, very intimate and personal. Um, Last question for you is a piece of advice for somebody who may be going through their own journey for you in particular, um, someone who may be like, you know, stuck in a place and is looking to make that shift. What advice would you have for them? That's a really great question. Um, when I think back about where I've been in the past or even in the last few months or thinking about other family members of mine, thinking about my grandmother, um, the first thing that comes up every time is like, it's courage, like be courageous, be audacious, just do the thing, do the thing that's calling to you. Like you don't, you don't want to leave this earth having ignored those calls and left that piece of yourself like on the plate yeah, yeah. just do the thing no so real 
so 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 real well alexis thank you so much for coming and sharing your story um very 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 inspiring story and i know that many people are gonna be influenced by your story and um, hopefully take those good um, tips and tools that you shared um, and be inspired to do their own thing um, and, and chart their own path. Um, so thank you for that. And um, as we close out here, you guys already know, this is another episode of the Queerly Black Show. I'm your host, Ashley. I'll catch y'all on the next one. Peace. <laughs>